Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. Praise God. Numbers chapter 13. Numbers 13. It was... Wednesday Wednesday morning probably 7.38 in the morning the Lord woke me up and when I opened my eyes I felt the Lord talking to me about a story that we all know very well and one I have preached from hundreds of times. But the Word of God is so powerful that it doesn't matter how many times you've preached a certain story, there's always new revelations to find. And as I begin to think about the story and meditate and just be sensitive to the Holy Ghost, God began to say some things to me. I am a very strange individual of how I get a sermon. I'm not one you should follow. God wakes me up and says, preach this, and I just say, okay. So here we go. Numbers 13, verse 28. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land. And the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. That's what they said after verse 27, which says they told them. Everyone said told them. And said, everyone say said. They told them and said, We came unto the land whither thou sendest us, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. This is the fruit of it. Then they said, But it doesn't matter. That's what nevertheless means. It just doesn't matter. 
People are strong, cities are walled. And we saw the children of Anak there. Children of Anak there. Verse number 31. But the men that went up with him said, everyone say said, we be not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. That's what they said. That's what they told. That's what they declared. That's what they spoke. Chapter 14, the same book, verse 28, the Lord is speaking to Moses and says, Say unto them, As truly as I live, saith the Lord, as ye have spoken. You want to say spoken? Hope you're connecting the dots here. As they have spoken in my ears, so will I do to you. So you can't blame God for what you say. <laughs> Joshua chapter 6 and verse number 10. God has instructed Joshua of what to do for the walls to fall. And in chapter 6 of verse 10, Joshua commanded the people, saying, ye shall not shout. nor make any noise with your voice. Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout, then shall you shout. He said, don't make a noise with your voice. Don't speak a word. And don't shout. You know me. I've preached to you enough. Just let me talk to you tonight. Let me talk to you tonight. I want to speak to you on a revival of silence. Now, I know that's contradictory to an evangelist who named his boy Judah. There's something in here we need, to, we need to focus on tonight, a revival of silence. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. The story of the children of Israel primarily in this season of their existence has always been a favorite story of mine to read. And I, 
I guess one reason for that is the fact that Paul, the apostle, said of them that everything that happened to them from their entrance into the bondage of Egypt to their 400 plus years of living there to their crossing of the Red Sea the wandering in the wilderness for 40 years, the marching around the walls, the falling of the walls, the conquering of the promised land, everything in that period of time, Paul said, was written for our admonition. He said that they are our examples, and so I take that personal. So anything that was written in the Word of God with me in mind that was written for my admonition, I want to make sure I can pluck out and dig into and get every nugget of truth I can since it was me in mind to tell the story. And there's many Places we can go tonight. I mean, we, we deal with 400 plus years. We can stay there an awful long time. But, but just let me give you some highlights that I know you know, but just let me bring back to remembrance. Moses was on the backside of a desert feeding the flock of somebody else, running as a fugitive. And as an 80-year-old man, a bush began to burn that was not consumed. And from that bush came the voice of God to Moses to tell him, go back to Egypt and tell the ones who are still there that there is a deliverance available for them. To me, the, 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 the greatest miracle in all of that is the fact Moses went back. Because Moses was out of Egypt. He was out of the land of bondage. He was out of the land of slavery. He's been out for quite some time, but the Lord says, go back. And he goes back. Moses, I've not kept you safe. I've I've not protected you and preserved you and watched over you for you to just live and die on the backside of a desert rejoicing about your own deliverance. Testifying among other delivered people how delivered you are. I've brought you out and and I've made a way for you to live and I've preserved you to put some power into you and to put a voice into you to go back from the very place I brought you out of to preach to those who are still there that if God got me out, God can get you out. If God delivered me, then God can deliver you. Have we forgotten that the whole reason we got the Holy Ghost was to do more than just warm a pew every Tuesday and Sunday and testify and shout over what God's done for us. He gave us the Holy Ghost to do more than just dance, but to be a witness, to give us a voice. 
to give us a word to go back to the very place God brought us from and tell the alcoholic, the God that put the bottle out of my hand can take the bottle out of your hand. And the God that delivered me from drugs can set you from drugs. And and the God that washed my life can clean up your life. You can't blame revival on Israel if Moses doesn't go back. Okay. If, if Israel's going to have revival, Moses has to go back. So he goes back. He preaches to them. He, he preaches more than just to Pharaoh. He preached loud enough for Israel to hear them. And for Israel to know that God has seen your prayers and God has, God has seen your tears and God has heard your cry and God has sent me to get you out. I believe those 10 plagues was more than just to soften the heart of Pharaoh. It was for Israel's benefit too to realize it doesn't matter where you are. If you put God first, God can protect you when the world around you is falling apart. And so they leave Egypt and they get no further than they are faced with an uncrossable Red Sea in which Israel tells Moses, you should have left us in Egypt because now Pharaoh's on our track and, and we're trapped here and when they capture us, they will make our work even more strenuous. And I know what we know. He lifted the rod and the Red Sea departed, but, but sometimes I think we fail to realize that there was something that happened between the two. Between the Red Sea departing and the rod being lifted, the Bible said a great east wind began to blow. If you think it was a stick that parted the water, you're crazy. It was the wind that blew. And the wind that blew was a storm. The very thing we pray against is the very thing God used for deliverance. Are you hearing me yet? The one thing we don't want is the one thing God brings into our life to answer our prayer. See, we get, we get this revival thing all mixed up. We, we, we classify revival as altars being fruitful and baptistries being fruitful and people coming. But just take a lesson from the words of Jesus. When he gave the parable to his men that, that, that there was a master that slept in the house and while he was asleep, the enemy came in and began to sow tares among the wheat. And the servants woke the master up up and said an enemy has done this and they asked the master what shall we do should we separate the tares from the wheat and the master said no leave it alone the master said wait until harvest you know what we classify as revival he said wait until harvest wait until revival and then the separation will take place because real Holy Ghost revival is as much subtraction as it is addition oh, yes. 
it's hard to think like that because we've never been told that. We just think revival is shouting and dancing. No, revival is weeding some stuff out. Uh, Man-made revival may make you shout, uh, but Holy Ghost revival uh, will, will, will pluck up some people with the wrong motives and the wrong agendas and the wrong ideas. Come on, you're not hearing from a virgin voice. I've been around a few years. Real revival will have some singers no longer singing and some Sunday school teachers no longer teaching and some preachers no longer preaching because real revival exposes the wheat and the tares. Well, the very thing we don't want is the very thing God sent to deliver the people because there's a deliverance in the storm. There's a revival in the pandemic. So they cross the Red Sea. They go three days and they find no water. And they go to Moses and they say, Moses, you should have left us in Egypt. We had all the water we wanted back there. And God takes them to Elam and they camp next to 12 wells of water. They, all they wanted was some water to quench their thirst, but now that they got so much water they can't drink it all. But then they go a few days and they have nothing to eat and they tell Moses, you should have left us in Egypt. I mean, we had all the food we wanted back there. Yeah, the work was hard. Yeah, it was tough and difficult, but at least they fed us. But you brought us out here to starve us. But then manna fell from heaven. And God, God fed their, fed their empty stomachs. And then they got tired of manna and they told Moses, you should have left us in Egypt. Are you seeing the, because we had more than just manna back there. And so God says, okay, I'll answer that prayer. And quail begins to come on the wings of the wind and God feeds them with quail. Then they go a few days and they, and they are faced with the Amalekites. And it's the story where when the hands of Moses was raised, they won. And when they were down, they were defeated. And they tell Moses, you should have left us in Egypt. Some things never change. God answers the prayer. God makes a way. God answers. God, makes the, God opens the door. God comes through and we still won't praise him. And we still complain and gripe and, and we still doubt and have, unf- and have faithless hearts and, 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 and we still ask God what in the world's going on. Has he not proven himself yet? So God gives them victory over the Amalekites. Then God tells Moses, go to Mount Sinai and he does and for 40 days he's up there in the glory of God and Israel goes to Aaron and says, we have no leader. We need someone to tell us what to do. We need someone to show us the way. And instead of Aaron asking them, are you not grown up by now? Yeah. 
You know, the number one reason that I hear of people leaving church and especially those that leave one church and go to another one, the number one reason is this. I'm just not being fed there anymore. So wait a minute. You've been in church for 40 years and you still need someone to feed you? Are you not grown up by enough, enough by now to do the feeding? Babies don't feed babies. Adults feed babies. Reason why our churches are not growing like they should is because our spiritual nurseries are too full of adult babies. Not enough diapers to pass out. Not enough bottles to pass out. Still need to be burped and changed on. Still get offended at every little thing that don't even amount to a hill of beans. I didn't get to sing my song. I didn't get my part in the Christmas play. I didn't get, I didn't get my... When did this thing stop being about God and started being about us? Show me when this thing changed. It is still for whosoever will. We need a revival of grown-ups. So Aaron builds them a golden calf. And the gold that he builds it from is what they got from Egypt. Uh Proving the point they were out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't out of them. And they danced around this golden calf. Baby, that's called idolatry. And the number one sin in the Old Testament, it was God said, you will have no other gods before me. They committed idolatry even though God made a way time after time after time after time. God judged it, but God forgave it. And God gave them another chance. They doubted God for food. God judged it, but God forgave it. They doubted God for water. God judged it, but God forgave it. They doubted God for victory. God judged it, but God forgave it. They doubted God for the Red Sea. God judged it, but God forgave it. Here we go. But then, God tells Moses to take 12 men that's going to represent each tribe and send them out into the promised land and have them spy out the land for 40 days. So Moses picks the men that God says to choose and he sends them out and they come back and now we pick up the story in Numbers 13 that 10 of them say to Moses. Stay with me now. We're going somewhere. 10 say to Moses. We saw the land. We walked on the land. You got to understand at that point, the promised land was no longer a promise just from the mind of Moses. It was reality now. Before they got there, it was just what Moses preached to them and and what Moses said to them. But now they've walked on the soil. They've held the grapes. They've solved the cities. They've watched the giants. It's reality to them. And they tell Moses, surely 
it floweth with milk and honey. There's no doubt about that. But there's a problem. The cities are walled. And then they said something very interesting. Not once, but twice. Twice they made mention of the children of Anak. They said, we cannot take the land because giants are there, which were the children of Anak. Now watch me. There's two to three million of Israel. Do you know how many children Anak had? Go look it up. He had three. So two million people are saying, we can't do it. Because they're looking at three. This thing called revival is not as hard as hell's convinced us it is. Are you hearing me yet? This thing called revival is not as difficult as the devil's made us believe it is. Baby, there's only three. You're not getting it yet. There's only three. They that be with us are more than they that be with them. That's why I will preach to the day I die. We can have revival. We can shake our city. We can have a move of God. We got more for us. There's only three. Isn't that ironic? God's people then had to face a doctrine of Trinity. And they said, we can't do it because there's too many of them. No, there's more with us. <laughs> but here's what the Spirit began to do with me about Wednesday morning. That 10 said, 10, 10 said, We cannot do it. And contrary to popular belief, two did not say we can. Joshua was no longer there. Joshua was not mentioned in the story. Caleb stilled the people. They always say, ten said we couldn't, but two said we couldn't. That's not true. One said we could. don't believe me just go read it yourself only Caleb still the people only Caleb said we are well able to overcome and then the ten spoke up and said we cannot do it God could forgive idolatry God could forgive their murmuring God could forgive their doubting and their complaining But when God showed them what he had for them and 10 came back and said, it's impossible. That's when God told Moses, as they said, so will I do to them. Because the one thing God 
will not put up with is when he shows you his power and he shows you his ability and he shows you your revival and you stand back and you say I just don't see how it's possible God says that's one thing I won't tolerate I'll let you die right where you stand Amazing to me that those 10 actually said to Moses, we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. Watch it. And so we were in theirs. Hold on. You're a spy. So unless you're just bad at your job, how do they know you're there? You've been spied out the land for, they don't have a clue you're there. If, if they don't know you're there, how do you know the way they look at you? I'll tell you how, because we assume the devil looks at us the same way we look at ourselves. If we say I can't do it, then the devil convince us you can't do it. If we say nobody wants what we got, then hell convinces us nobody wants what we got. How about we start saying we can do it? I am anointed. I am powerful. I am a child of God. I am God's favorite. How about we start testifying positive? I'm going to tell you, hell doesn't fight us as much as we fight us. That's good. Yes, sir. So, 10, I get it. 10 say, we cannot do it. And God says, okay. You don't think you can do it? Your carcasses will die in this wilderness. I wanted to give you the promised land. It was my desire. It was my purpose. It was my goal. It was what I wanted. But I can't give my promise to people who don't believe me. So I'll let you die in the wilderness. So when we get to Joshua's moment, 40 years down the road, here we go. He's looking up just past a Jordan River. He's looking up at a wall of Jericho. And I just believe that Joshua got to reminiscing of 40 years ago. We stood at this same place. Could have very easily taken this city. But 10 people said, it's impossible. And because they said it, it became what they said. So Joshua starts thinking, if I let the people march around this wall and I allow them to speak, No doubt there are some people in this group that's going to follow what mommy and daddy did. That's going to pick up what grandmama and granddaddy did. And while they're marching around this wall, they're going to be saying, it's too big. 
It's too tall. It's too impossible. I don't know why we got to walk around here. I don't agree with this. I think he's doing the wrong thing. Oh, I'm going somewhere. I think, I think he's choosing the wrong agendas. I, I think he's got the wrong idea. I just don't see how it's possible. And so Joshua said, you know what? It's not going to be the shout that brings the walls down. It's only the shout that precedes the walls from falling. But before they ever shouted one time, they walked silent 13 times. Contrary to what we and I have preached, shouting is not what brought those walls down. Their silence. It's what brought the walls down. Because nobody was able to talk doubt. Nobody was able to talk unbelief. Nobody was able to talk negative. No, nobody was able to talk impossibility. The only time they could open their mouth is when they march silent and let the Spirit begin to work on them. And when they shouted because they were silent, there was power behind the shout. And so I'm trying to put all of this together. Trying to figure out what the Holy Ghost is saying. Trying to, trying to tap into the season that, that we're in. And trying to figure out what the Holy Ghost is dealing with me on. And it becomes so clear to me. Could it be that the reason the apostolic movement has not had the revival it should have had this year. Is because we refuse to be silent. What are you saying, Atkins? I'll tell you what I'm saying. Somebody gets on Facebook and says, we need to close the doors. And instead of us being silent, we're more concerned about being right. And when we should not say a word, we think our voice needs to be heard because we think we actually have one. And so before you know it, you get a long Facebook post of preachers fighting with preachers and pastors arguing with pastors and churches fighting with pastors and, and churches fighting with churches. And why, why are you quiet all of a sudden? And young people fighting with young people and evangelists fighting with evangelists. And instead of us showing the world how to be together in the middle of difficulty, we copy them and we fight each other and we're divided among each other. And instead of walls falling, we've built the wall higher. Instead of taking a step back and saying, 
I respect your opinion. We want to voice ours. Oh, God. So we go on Twitter. I'm not on what it is, 160 characters. And, 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 and we type on there, which only proves we have no character. Because we want to be right. And we want to show Pentecost how spiritual we are. No, what you're doing is showing how idiotic you are. You're not showing your spirituality. You're showing your stupidity. Because if there was ever a time that churches needed to join hands, regardless of organization and regardless of, of little petty issues that don't amount to anything, when we should be joining hands and saying, you know what? The only way this wall will fall is if we stop doubting and stop fighting and stop picking up old baggage from our past. Because they fought each other and they. We need a revival of silence. I've, I've heard for years, I've heard it preached like this, I've heard it taught like this until I got in the book myself. Got it for my own. We always want to shine the light on Absalom. He stole the hearts of the people. He's a bad guy. He did what was wrong. He, did, he, he divided the kingdom. Hold on. Before you shine that light so brightly on him, take a look at David. Because your Bible says now, King James, it's a misprint. King James says 40 years. But when you go study, it was actually four years. Absalom has been standing in the gate of the city, still in the hearts of the people for four years. You're never going to convince me that David didn't know what was going on. He's the king. He's on the throne. He knows exactly what's going on. But instead of doing something about it, he's more concerned about his throne. He's more concerned sitting on the throne telling the people, hey, listen to me, I'm right. While Absalom is in the gate saying, no, listen to me, I'm right. And instead of doing what's right, they're more concerned about being right. That a kingdom that God never intended is divided under their feet. Because they can't get together. I have heard a thousand voices this year. One voice is saying, don't ever close the doors. Because the Bible says to forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. And there's another voice that's saying, no, you need to close the doors. Because the Bible says, obey them that have the rule over you. And one voice is saying, just do it online. And the other voice is saying, oh, do it in the parking lot. And I'm in between all these voices and I'm saying, 
Just do it. Just preach. Whether it's behind a pulpit, behind a computer, in the parking lot, dear God, this thing is to just reach the laws. Whoever said there's a way to do it and there's a proper way to do it, no, just do it. He said go into all the world and preach. He didn't say where. He just said preach. And if we got together as much as we fight each other, mercy yes I've got my own opinions but that's what it is mine and if someone doesn't agree with me I'm not going to fight them they fought enough hell to let someone Holy Ghost feel fight them they have enough battles to fight in the world to fight battles in the church yes sir we should be marching around this wall quietly. Not shouting. Because the last time we talked, we died in the wilderness. The last time we opened our mouth, we had to deal 40 years wondering when God never intended for it to take that long. So when I was studying on this silence stuff, I know, it's, I know it's a weird message to preach in an apostolic church. And I'm not, in case some of you are lost right now, I'm not speaking be silent in your worship. It's silent in your opinions. So in all this looking up, I was taken to Revelation. And I know the way we've preached it. I, I know and it's, it's got, it's, it, 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 it holds water. It's got validation. I, I understand that heaven's going to be so beautiful and so glorious and so wondrous. Hold on, I'm going to hit you hard now. And so, so spectacular that, that for 30 minutes, it's going to be silence. And we have said it's silent because we're going to be in such awe of how glorious it is. Maybe so. But could it be that what God is saying is since you won't stay silent in your house, you will stay silent in my house. They were silent a whole lot longer than they shouted. Silence is what brought those walls down because Joshua did not want God again to say, as you spoke, you want division? 
I'm in the Holy Ghost now. You better hear me. You want, you want chaos? You don't want to come together and win the loss with each other. You only want to win the loss to get your own pat on the back. You want to you go blast it on Facebook how many hundreds got the Holy Ghost just so people can brag on you? Okay. As you said. You want to go on fighting everybody that's even trying to have church? Okay. As you said. See, the saddest thing to me in 2020 is not the pandemic and it's not the, it's not the cities being set on fire. No, the saddest thing to me is our churches being set on fire and not in the good way. I've just stood, I've just stood back because I'm, I'm a quiet guy by nature. I'm not on any social media because God delivered me from that stuff. I'm, I, I just stand back and I watch all this junk and I'm thinking, dear God, this was our moment. This was our moment to show the world what love looks like. And some of us have only showed them, have only validated their reason to not come to church. Why would they want a church full of chaos when they got a home full of chaos? This was our moment to be set on a hill. Not the whole kingdom. Not, not pointing fingers at everybody, but there's enough. There's enough that has played this personal agenda game that, that we have actually given people in the world reasons to not come. Instead of showing them love, we showed bitterness. Instead of togetherness, we've showed pettiness. Instead of holding hands, we've locked fists. And then some of us stand back and wonder why we're not in the revival we should have. Because those walls are still up. And the walls are still up because we won't shut up. But because of the grace and mercy of God, he's not condemned us all. He's given some Joshua's and Caleb's another chance to have a revival of silence. I've said for years, if pastors would be more concerned about pastoring their church than pastoring other pastors, their churches would grow. See, we want to be right. Because we got power. What, the Holy Ghost don't give you enough? Now we want to be validated for our own personal thoughts. No. We need to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord.
Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.